If you've been keeping up with our headlines, you've been keeping up with the growth rates. But how to make sense of those numbers is an entirely different process. So first, here are the numbers. Bear with me. Last week, both Korea and the United States reported their first quarter GDP growth rates. And on the surface, it looks like Korea is faring better. Korea reported a 0.7% growth over the last quarter, and this figure alone was a bit disappointing. But if Korea maintains its pace, 0.7% growth for all four quarters, Korea would achieve a 3.1% growth at the end of the year, which is the government's goal for this year. Meanwhile, the U.S. GDP growth fell by minus 1.4% annualized rate, converting that to the quarterly rate to compare with Korea's figures. The U.S. economy shrunk by about 0.36% in the first quarter. So according to these headline numbers, Korea is doing much better than the U.S. It really should be that simple. Or is it? Today, we'll take a deeper look at what's behind these growth numbers with Professor Yang Jun-suk joining us on the line. Good morning, Professor Yang. Good morning. The thing is, numbers without context, I think, can be easily very deceiving. Sometimes it's used in political circles inadvertently or on purpose to convey a certain sort of message of hope even. But so first, I wanted to consider the technicalities. What should we be looking out for in these GDP figures? Okay, well, let me give you a short version of uh, GDP technicalities that I teach my students. Now, technically, GDP measures how much Korean producers produced, uh, in this case, during the first quarter of 2022. But everything that is made is either bought by someone or if there's any of it that's unsold, it's put into inventory. So from the GDP numbers, you could get an idea on how strong the domestic demand is. And if someone bought the product and paid for it, and then uh, then from the point of view of producers, the producers receive money, so that uh, counts for income. So with the same GDP numbers, you can get an idea of supply, demand, and the income that the uh, country has made for, for this first quarter. Mm. Now, the most interesting uh, view for uh, this first quarter numbers is from the demand side. And if you look at it from the demand side, then the GDP depends on who bought the uh, product uh, can be divided into following categories. First, civilian consumption, that's the largest component of uh, GDP from the demand side. Then government consumption, or sometimes called government expenditure. And then private investment, uh, which is actually the amount that's bought by businesses. And these could be further divided into construction investment, business, or sometimes called facility investment, which actually also includes equipment. And this usually gives you a good idea on how the firms are doing, because, well, if firms are not doing well, they will not be buying all these equipment or facilities. And then uh, intellectual property investment, and as I mentioned before, inventory. Inventory goes into investment because, well, inventory is considered to be firms uh, buying their own goods mm. um, rather than uh, just keeping it around. Uh, technically, uh, buy, uh, firms buying their own goods, but still, that's why it's considered <laughs> part of investment. Mm. Uh, and uh, then comes the component that's bought by foreigners, that's exports. And then... All these numbers I just talked about, consumption, investment, government expenditure, they not only include the domestically made goods, which should be part of the GDP, but also imported goods that people bought. Uh, so we need to net that 
uh, imports out. And since uh, GDP only supposed to measure the uh, goods that are made in your own country, mm-hmm. so uh, we add consumption, investment, government expenditure, and exports, but we subtract imports. Now, because we uh, subtract imports, sometimes people think, well, imports reduce uh, growth rates. Mm. But what it actually does is it nets out the stuff that people bought already. So if you uh, forbid imports, if you have a protectionist policies, then chances are rather than increase your country's uh, growth rates, you're just keeping people from buying imports. So you're probably Mm. reducing your own growth rate in the first place. Uh, but still, uh, as I said, this GDP numbers, it gives you a good uh, idea on what's going on in the supply side, mm. demand side, and income. Mm. So uh, considering everything you just told us, how did the current numbers fare then? The growth rate seemingly on a better recovery track than the U.S. Are you optimistic or pessimistic, Professor Yang, about the results of the first quarter growth rate? Okay, even though Korea had a positive growth rate, even though it's on track to barely making government predictions of 3.1%, it really, if you look at the demand numbers, it really points to a very weak domestic economy. So let's look at those spending numbers. Civilian consumption went down by 0.5% compared to the fourth quarter last year. And then government expenditure remained about equal to where it was in the fourth quarter last year. The change was 0%. But remember, we're spending a lot of government money nowadays because of the uh, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And uh, construction investment fell by 2.4%. Business investment fell by uh, 4.0%. And uh, in terms of business investment, this is the largest decline since uh, first quarter of 2019 when it fell by 8.3 percent. Mm-hmm. And the only domestic component of savings which went up is intellectual property investment by 2.1 percent. And that's because we continue, to, we need to continually make investment in areas like semiconductors mm-hmm. because, well, in those areas, you can't fall too far behind in terms of investment. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so Virtually all domestic components had a negative growth, and that points out to very weak domestic economy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, let's look at the foreign side. Exports rose by 4.1%, and if you've been keeping up with the news, then you'll know that these are actually, uh, it seems very low because we've been having record growth in uh, exports. Uh, double-digit growth. So in the GDP numbers, they're only uh, it only went up by 4.1% compared to the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why is that? Well, the uh, monthly exports numbers compare that month's figures with the same month's figures one year before. So some of the uh, increase, some of the uh, large numbers is due to that. GDP compares it to the last quarter. Um, then secondly, monthly exports numbers look at the value of exports using uh, today's prices. Mm. And we all know that there's a big global inflation going on out there. Uh, but GDP numbers try to control the price differences. It only look, tries to look at only the volume. And uh, because of that, uh, well, a lot of the uh, increase in value of exports that we have this year is due to rise in prices rather than a rise in volume. Um, so mm. that's why the uh, mm. exports numbers seem so low. Mm. And 
Then same thing with imports as well. Imports rose by 0.7%. And again, we've been hearing during the first quarter that the imports are at record high numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of volume mm-hmm. of imports, it shows that it only went up by 0.7%. rest of it is basically prices. Mm. So what we see here is very weak domestic economy. Mm. And what we see is a uh, country that is very dependent on exports, mm. and especially on export prices. Mm. Uh, but WTO has downgraded trade growth for this year from 4.7% to 3.0%. And IMF has downgraded global growth rates from 44 to 3.6%. Mm. So we may be hit with not only a weak domestic sector, but also uh, very weak exports as well. Considering that we are so dependent on exports, it doesn't look good, uh, the trade growth rate uh, predicted by the WTO. So then how about the United States? The United States had a negative annualized growth rate of downgrading 1.4% or about minus 0.4% quarter to quarter, as opposed to a positive outlook 0.7% for Korea. Yet the U.S. government seems to be less panicked by those same numbers than the Korean government. Could you care to explain why there is that discrepancy? Yeah, and the basic reason is if you look behind those GDP numbers, while Korea had a very weak numbers for the domestic economy, U.S. actually had very strong numbers for those domestic economy, and it's the supply uh, side which cannot keep up. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I'm going to be quoting, again, a lot of numbers here, but mm-hmm. the uh, one of the painful things about dealing with the U.S. numbers is that they... Uh, they publish their numbers in so-called annualized form, mm. which is if they continue this uh, trend of growth for the entire year, what would the percentage be? Korea reports their numbers quarter to quarter. What, how much did it grow compared to the last quarter? Mm-hmm. So roughly speaking, you should be dividing the uh, U.S. numbers by four if you want to get a quarter to quarter number and try to uh, try to compare it with the uh, with the Korean numbers. It sounds like a uh, headache for economists. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know why the U.S. does that, but <laughs> they do that. Uh, so uh, let's look at those uh, spending figures uh, for the United States. Consumption rose by two point seven percent, and you look behind that consumption for durable goods rose by 4.1%, while consumption for non-durable goods fell a little bit. Now, durable goods are things like uh, home appliances, electronics, televisions, Mm -hmm. and uh, that basically accounts uh, for a lot of reasons why U.S. has such a a large inflation figure, because people have been buying a lot of these relatively expensive goods, relatively bulky goods. Mm -hmm. These goods cannot usually are imported from countries like Korea and China, Mm. uh, and they've been hitting against the uh, bottlenecks that we've seen uh, because of the coronavirus, Mm. uh, but also because uh, the uh, U.S. demand for these durable goods have been just so large uh, that Mm. they've been a very... uh, very large contributor to uh, global inflation. Mm. Some people claim that this is actually the trigger uh, for the uh, global inflation because because of the increased demand from the United States, uh, the transportation networks, global transportation networks, global supply chain, they've been hitting 
the, uh, hitting against the wall uh, uh, that's caused by the coronavirus. So they're now, strained even more just to try to keep up with the demands. It's most ironic because we're talking about how consumer spending needing uh, you know, a little bit of boost to post-pandemic, but strictly in the U.S. case, that, that very desire for durable goods has remained strong throughout the pandemic. Yeah, and that's partially because the yeah. uh, United States gave so much uh, welfare payments Mm-hmm. During the uh, pandemic, that mm. people cannot spend anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, it does explain part of the reason why Korean exports are so strong. Mm-hmm. Because well, they're buying all these home appliances and computers and stuff. Mm. Um, now, uh, investment rose by two point three percent, and equipment and business investment rose by a whopping fifteen point three percent. Intellectual property investment. Rose by 8.1%. So these are really high investment numbers, perhaps not as high as we saw right after the pandemic when it was recovering from the uh, negative shock from the pandemic. But still, compared to normal years, these are really high numbers. Mm-hmm. And then note that government expenditure fell by 2.7% because the United States is phasing out its emergency payments uh, due to the coronavirus. Mm. Uh, but even though government spending is down, private spending is still very, very strong. That's a sign of a very strong Mm. domestic economy. So why did the U.S. uh, GDP fall? Well, people wanted to buy all this stuff and they could not buy from the United States, partially because the uh, factories are still not operating because of the coronavirus. But also a lot of these goods are just not made in the United States anymore, like uh, some of the appliances and such. Mm -hmm. So what we see is imports going up tremendously, Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. uh, and exports not rising all that much. For the United States, exports fell by uh, Mm 5.9%, imports rose by Mm 17.7%, and it has ended up with the uh, largest trade deficit Uh, in their history for the uh, first quarter. Uh, And again, that's because the uh, U.S. supply could not keep up with their demand Mm. and they had to get their goods from abroad. Mm. Uh, Some of it, I'm sure, is hoarding because of the uh, rising prices for some types of grain and Mm. oil. Mm. Uh, But still, it does point out that the U.S. has very, continues to have very high Uh, domestic demand, that means if they can get the supply side moving, Mm. then there Mm. will be, uh, it'll be easy for them to have a recovery. Mm. Whereas in Korea, uh, since we don't have strong demand, uh, we're uh, in trouble of going into a uh, recession. Okay, so where does this put Korea and the American economy? I think that's the last question we want to ask today. Does this mean that Korea would need to rely more on government spending? It may be. Uh, right now, the Korea is on track to uh, raising the interest rate. Mm. And that's, uh, that's because we don't want Korean won to depreciate too much. We do not want capital outflow. Uh, but if uh, the uh, Korea uh, does raise the interest rate too much, then it's going to... Uh, lower the uh, domestic spending even more than where it is right now. So we might need a policy where we have to keep up, uh, raise the uh, in- domestic interest rates uh, so that uh, we can take care of the international side. But to deal with the uh, slowdown on the domestic side, we may need to increase government expenditure. But the uh, good thing or 
a lucky thing, perhaps, is that mm. we already have budgeted a very large government expenditure. Mm. So we probably need to use that more wisely before we start talking about additional supplementary budgets. Uh, what about for the United States? What would their uh, plan of action be and what would be required for the recovery of the American economy? Well, uh The uh, U.S. side is more of a uh, problem with both demand and supply side. Mm. Uh, uh, As I said, a lot of people uh, consider the uh, strong demand as a trigger for global inflation. Uh, So they're Mm. raising their interest rate. Hopefully that will reduce the demand uh, without sparking a uh, recession in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, recession in the U.S. is not a good news for Korea either, uh, since it'll uh, stop the uh, global growth. Mm-hmm. But still, hopefully they can uh, raise the uh, interest rates to reduce domestic growth, but to completely erase the problem, to completely deal with the problem, they need to deal with the supply side as well. That means getting their factories working again. That mm-hmm. depends on how they deal with the coronavirus That also uh, depends on how they deal with the rising grain prices and oil prices, which are which are a lot of it is due to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. That obviously cannot be dealt with economic policy. Mm -hmm. That needs to be dealt with uh, uh, diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for the United States, it's uh, perhaps more simpler problem, but still, in terms of mechanics, you need to deal with a larger wider uh, range of policies, Mm. and it'll be difficult on that side as well, but at least they can uh, control the demand with the rising interest rates. Thank you very much, Professor Yang Jun-Sang, for such a thorough insight. Uh, We'll speak to you again soon. Have a safe day. Have a nice day. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.